minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Friday, Erev Shabbos. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
JM in the AM. Good morning. Welcome to a Friday. It's Erev Shabbos. That's Shalshelis with Kimi Tzion. You heard him Eshkachech done by Chaim David Burson. Mivan Siach, that was Simcha Liner. Micha Gammerman in there with Bowie Kala. Zachreinu, great Yamim Narayim selection as Yontav is just a couple of weeks away. That's Ari Goldwag off of Shirei Pinchas, Volume 3. And of course, Regesh Modani opening things up. And we say good morning. It's Friday on this August 24th, day 13 in the month of Elul, the year 5778. Tafshin Ayin Ches. Not for long. The brand new year starts, believe it or not, two weeks from Monday. Candle lighting on this Erev Shabbos Parshas Kitetze is 720 here in the New York area. 720 is candle lighting in the New York area. If you're going to be in the new Springville Jewish Center, uh, on Staten Island for Shabbos for the Ufruf of Yitzi Siegel, and we say Mazel Tov to him. They will be starting Mincha at 7.15 today, so keep that in mind. <laughs> uh, but official candle lighting time in the New York area is 7.20. Shover blowing coming up later on, of course. Our uh, Sephardic friends are saying Slichus now during the month of Elul. We will soon do that uh, starting on Labor Day weekend, 68 degrees outside with 73% humidity. Winds are west at 2 miles an hour. Sunny today with a high temperature of 84. Then tonight, clear skies, a low of 67. Tomorrow, partly cloudy, a high temperature, 80 degrees. You shall I'm right now at 87. We're at 68 here in New York. As we say good morning at JM in the AM. Uh, Malcolm Holmline, just over an hour from now. He's executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He'll join us on a... Friday morning broadcast here at JM and the AM, and plenty more, of course, including a Rayudin and everything you'd expect between now and 9 a.m., plus a great day on the network all the way until candle lighting time. Plenty more coming up. It's Friday, Erev Shabbos. You're listening to JM and the AM. You know, yesterday we mentioned that Lenny Solomon, 15 years ago this month, released an album, a great album, uh, a, a, um, a game-changing album, I would say, for Schlock Rock called Almost on Broadway. This song came from that album. Um, here it is for you. On Oh, and a lot of people will be enjoying Lenny because I believe he is, in fact, going to be performing with Schlock Rock uh, up in the Catskills this uh, Motzei Shabbos. So everybody up there, make sure to enjoy Schlock Rock. Anyway, here it is, a Shabbos selection from Almost on Broadway at JM in the AM. Soup and challah candlesticks, kiddush, it is delicious. Every Shabbat meal we eat is really quite nutritious. Can I have some chicken served on Ima's special dishes? Soup and challah candlesticks, kiddush, it is delicious. When I was a little boy, I felt really glad. I looked forward to Shabbat meals because every one I had would be a great experience and put me in the know. Listen to the singing and you think you're at a show. Hey, super challah candlesticks, kiddush, it is delicious. Every Shabbat meal we eat is really quite nutritious. Can I have some chicken served on Ima's special dishes? Super challah candlesticks, kiddush, it is delicious. Amdelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelelel
Guests would come and go, each Shabbat meal was heaven sent. I'd hear words of Torah and it really made a dent. So now that I am older, I can do the same, you see. With my wife and children, there's no place I'd rather be. Hey! Soup and challah, candlesticks, Yiddushit is delicious. Every Shabbat meal we eat is really quite nutritious. Can I have some chicken served on Ema special dishes? Soup and challah, candlesticks, Yiddushit is delicious. You know we're not singing it in the right order, which is candlesticks, kiddush, challah, and soup. But then the song wouldn't work now, would it? So look forward to the Sabbath each and every day, because observing it real well can help Mashiach come our way. Take a day for resting and it will improve your life. Um, for example... Yes? Shabbat really changed my world. For my kids and my wife, it's great for me and you. Soup and challah candlesticks, we do shit, it's delicious. Soup and challah candlesticks, we do shit, it's delicious. Soup and challah candlesticks, we do shit, it's delicious. Soup and challah candlesticks, we do shit, it's delicious.
JM in the AM Friday morning broadcast, two minutes before seven o'clock. I believe that video comes out Monday, right? I think it's Monday. The Esmach video from Miami. Congratulations, Yerachmiel Begun and the choir on that. Malcolm Holmline visits us via telephone, 740 Eastern Time here at JM in the AM. Make sure to be tuned in, 740 Eastern Time. The weekly update, he is, of course, the Executive Vice Chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. Uh, before Miami, you heard Mordechai Shapiro with Nigun Simcha, his read done by Michal Przanski, Yaakov Shweki's Muzika title track, Motzia Sirim from Shlomo Simcha, Shire Pinchas, volume number three, and that Schlockrock selection from Almost on Broadway we spoke about, Soup and Chala. It is America's one and only Jewish Moments in the morning radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at on the Nachum Siegel Network, and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Uh, let's see. Erev Shabbos Parshas Kitetze, candlelighting time. We're calling it for 720 in the New York area. 720, as I mentioned uh, earlier, if you are attending uh, tonight the uh, services at the New Springville Jewish Center on Staten Island, which I plan on doing, in celebration of Yitzi Siegel's Ufruf, then um, if you're planning on being there, then Mincha starts at 7.15. Yeah, candlelighting officially 7.20, but Mincha there will start at 7.15. How do you like that? 68 degrees, sunshine today, and a high temperature of 84. Looks like a great, great weekend with clear skies tonight and a partly cloudy Shabbos, a high temperature 80. Yerushalayim right now at 87. We're at 68 in New York City as we say good morning at JM in the AM. And um, we will do our news from Israel coming up. You heard Galay Tzal in the background. We'll do our news from Israel coming up and plenty more, of course, on this Friday morning era of Shabbos. Rabbi Yudin's going to join us. He'll speak about Kitetze. Two weeks from Monday, it'll be a brand new year of 5779. Could you imagine? Brand new year, 5779 starts two weeks from Monday. And um, we strongly suggest you keep it here every single day for all the amazing music and the incredible content before the high holidays. Galei Tzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for Friday next. Boker Tov from Jam Nam. Galei Tzal, Asha'a 2, Kangoni Kohen, Ima Shekorea Akshav. Sara Bitachon Avigdor Lieberman mitnaer meadivokim al asdaraim Hamas umavhir lo tihiyye itkadmut bina tzdadim lelo siyach al shvuim venaedarim. בשום קשר אני לא מעורב בכל נושא הסדרה, לא מאמין בהסדרה, וההסדרה היחידה זה המציאות בשטח. אני לא חושב שיש לנו על מה לדבר עם חמאס, לא תהיה שום התקדמות ולא יהיו שום הסדרים חדשים. אנחנו צריכים להביא את חמאס להכרה, שאם הם רוצים להתקדם לאיזשהו מקום, דבר ראשון זה שבויים ונעדרים. מדבריו של שר הביטחון הביא כתבנו בדרום רמי שני. ראש הממשלה בנימין נתניהו משתתף כעת בפסגה בליטא עם מנהיגי המדינות הבלטיות, כתבתנו אלעיל שחר. במפגש שמתקיים בווילנה נועד ראש הממשלה עם ראשי ממשלות אסטוניה, לטביה וליטא. הארבעה דנים בחיזוק היחסים בין ישראל למדינות הבלטיות ובהגברת שיתופי הפעולה. לאחר המפגש תתקיים מסיבת עיתונאים משותפת. האו"ם הזמין את רוסיה, איראן וטורקיה לדון בעתיד סוריה במסגרת השיחות בז'נבה בשבוע הבא, כתבנו ירד עצמון שמייר. 
שליח האו"ם סטפן דה מיסטורה הזמין את אנקרה, טהרן ומוסקבה לשיחות בז'נבה, היכן שנרקמת ועדה לביסוס חוקה חדשה לסוריה, כך הודיעה דוברת הארגון הבינלאומי. בעקבות הוועדה צפויות שיחות נוספות במעורבות מדינות כגון ארצות הברית, שמועדן טרם נקבע. תרמית בוואטסאפ. בשעות האחרונות מופצת הונאה פרסומית בדמות תלושים לרשת האמזון שופרסל, כתבתנו עמית חדד. על פי ההודעה, שופרסל תעניק קופונים בסך 900 שקלים לרגל חגיגות ה-60 לרשת. החברה הודיעה כי מדובר בתרמית, ואגף הסבר הסייבר הלאומי הוסיף כי הודעה נוספת המופצת בשעות האחרונות, שמכריזה שמדובר בתרגיל של חמאס, לא נכונה גם היא. מדובר בתרמית פרסומית שמחדירה נוזקה, תוכנת נזק, המציגה פרסומות על מכשירי המשתמשים. ביקורת חריפה על המשטרה מצד מערכת המשפט בעקבות מעצר אלים של בחור חרדי, מדווחת כתבתנו מוריה אסרף. המשטרה טענה כי הצעיר הפריע אמש לשוטרים בעת מילוי תפקידם וביקשה להטיל עליו מעצר בית של חמישה ימים. לאחר שסרטון המעצר הוצג בבית המשפט, קבעה השופטת כי יש לשחרר את הבחור החרדי ללא כל ערבות, וכי האלימות שננקטה כלפיו מצד השוטרים אינה מוצדקת, ומלכתחילה התקשתה להבין מדוע הצעיר הובא לבית המשפט. עורך דינו איתמר בן גביר אמר, ידע כל שוטר שמתעלל באזרח שיש דין ויש דיין. מזג האוויר, התחממות מחר ירידה קלה בטמפרטורות, אלה החדשות בצוות, אורן פדידה ואופיר ברוך.
JM in the AM. There you have it. That's from the uh, album Ushmo uh, Bakari Shmo done by Shlomo Katz. It's called Shuvi Nafshi here at JM in the AM. Uh, before that one, uh, Sameach, that was Ohad. Yoni Z had up. It's a brand new one, an Ari Goldwag with Moshe. Great Shabbos selection here on a Friday morning, Erev Shabbos at JM in the AM. Well, New York State Senator Marisol Alcantara is with us live via telephone. She is somebody who represents a good part of the west side of Manhattan, including one of our favorite places in Washington Heights, New York City. State Senator Marisol Ancantara, welcome to JM in the AM. Thank you for having me on your show. A pleasure to speak with you this morning. Well, one of our favorite places, as you know, is Yeshiva University. If I'm not mistaken, you have uh, you have YU in your state uh, district. Yes, correct. We have a wonder, I have a wonderful relationship with Yeshiva, and I'm proud to have them in my district. How long have you been serving as state senator? I, this is my first term in the Senate. And uh, I read a little bit about your, uh, uh, about your bio. Uh, you are certainly an example of how somebody from an immigrant background can come to this country and really achieve an amazing status in a relatively short amount of time. Would you agree? I mean, thank you. <laughs> what would you say to that? I mean, what was the journey like being uh, an immigrant uh, just before your teenage years and eventually being in the New York State Senate? Um, it's pretty, you know, when you talk to your parents or people you grew up with, and, you know, people are pretty impressed. I grew up in Maryland. I came to New York for college, and I never dreamed that I was going to run for office, much less be in the New York State Senate. Pretty amazing. Uh, a lot of people take time, both in the press and among uh, among uh, you know lay people in our community, uh, to talk about the deficiencies in state government. Unfortunately, they look to the assembly, the senate, the leadership in Albany, and sometimes it becomes a frustrating experience. They don't always seem uh, to feel that the jobs are uh, are getting done, that the uh, that the work that needs to be done by our government officials is getting done, and that the stalemates prevail up in Albany. What, what's your reaction to people who'd like to see a little bit more action and less acrimony from the state capitol? Well, I totally agree. I think people get caught up in, you know, the political parties and the ideologies instead of going to work and delivering for the people of the state of New York or for their district. What do you see in this upcoming election? We uh, we have a surprisingly high-profile Democratic primary for governor. Suddenly, um, what what do you what do you think is going to happen first in September and then in November? Well, I think you know. Hopefully, Governor Cuomo will win. And, um, you know, I see all these Democratic primaries instead of us spending money in upstate races or in Long Island, places that we really need to win. Um, the Democratic Party is spending a lot of time and fighting each other. Uh, so, you know, we would hope that after November, um, that in November, Governor Cuomo gets elected and becomes the governor of New York State. New York State Senator Marisol Alcantara is with us live via telephone, New York Senate District 31, including Washington Heights and Yeshiva University. You know, your district goes really all the way from Inwood uh, to Midtown Manhattan along the west side. You have seen one of the most amazing transformations in the last, I don't know, 10, 20 years 
in your district as that area has become so high profile. I'm wondering if the Washington Heights area, specifically the area, let's say, between Harlem and the 180s, the, the where, where we normally hang out, I'm wondering if that area is also um, uh, progressing in terms of uh, you know less criminal behavior, more affordable housing, um, you know, people people viewing it as a desirable neighborhood. How would you describe that area of your district? Um, you know, like you said, it's changing just like the rest of Manhattan. We are seeing less criminal activity. Um, you know, in the 80s and 90s, the number of people that were killed in Washington Heights was pretty huge. So thank God that has stopped. What we are seeing right now um, is more people that cannot afford to live anywhere else in the city. They are moving to Upper Manhattan. But unfortunately, we haven't seen a lot of affordable housing uh, being built. You know, we met with members of the Orthodox community. And, uh, you know, the number of folks from the Orthodox community has decreased because um, of affordability. They cannot afford to stay in the neighborhood anymore. Wow. Interesting. So it's affected our community the way it's affected everyone else, huh? Yes. I was really surprised when I met with the rabbi of the synagogue on 184th and Bennett, and he talked about because um, a lot of Orthodox families tend to have larger families, um, you know, and they send their kids to the private yeshiva, that you have to make a choice, and that choice is probably moving out of New York out of the city and sometimes out of New York State because you just cannot afford to pay two and $3,000 for a, a two-bedroom apartment. <laughs> the bulk of the time that I spent in Washington Heights was in the 80s and 90s, and it was much, much different then. By the way, Washington Heights unofficially ends how far south? The neighborhood of Washington Heights goes how far south till about what street? Um, 157. Ah, it's in the mid-150s. Very interesting. And like I said, we know it much further up. Well, there you have it. Uh, Maricel Alcantara, New York State Senator, 31st District, which includes a couple of uh, amazing neighborhoods that we're really familiar with, including the Upper West Side. Now uh, Harlem is uh, is transforming into uh, a neighborhood that so many different uh, uh, ethnicities and nationalities are attracted to. And, of course, Washington Heights, which we're very, very familiar with. It, does the, the are, are you Are you on the ballot? Uh, come September and November, is this a quiet year for the Senate? How does it work? I'm on the ballot. I'm number two on the ballot. Um, we are working pretty hard. I have a challenger, so I ask all your viewers on September 13th to vote number two on the ballot. Marisol Ancantara, the people that we know who know you speak very, very highly of you. I'm really glad you joined me this morning. Continued good luck to you. Thank you so much for having me on your show. New York State Senator Marisol Ancantara, 31st New York Senate District, again, includes Washington Heights, Upper West Side, and um, parts of the Upper West Side. And remember, she's on the ballot the 13th of September. A lot of people in this audience vote in the Democratic primary, and she is on line number two on the ballot. And the people that we know from our community who know her speak very, very highly of her. Friday morning broadcast, it is a JM in the AM broadcast at 26 minutes after 7 o'clock, plenty more coming up. Keep it right here at the Nahum Siegel Network.
JM in the AM. That's Sandy Schmoyley, of course. Uh, well, it's time for our Elul Sofer blowing, and we have a situation where we have two sponsors for this coming Monday's Elul Sofer blowing. So to be fair to everybody, what we'll do is we'll uh, we'll um, announce these sponsorships both for today's Elul Sofer blowing and for Monday's Elul Sofer blowing. That's how we're going to handle things here at uh, JM in the AM. So let's start with um, our first one, and that was the... Um, that was the email we got from Gene Berkovich. Gene Berkovich is uh, donating um, at fjbunity.org, has donated at fjbunity.org in memory of uh, grandparents, the 17th yard site of um, Chasya Bat Mordechai and the 77th yard site of Yosef Ben Yitzchak. That is our first sponsor for our El Show for Blowing today and Monday. And the second one uh, came in uh, overnight. And that is a um, a donation that came in from Hillel Gersh, an Elul Shofar blowing sponsorship uh, for Monday as well, in memory of a Lewis Lerner, Harav El Yakim Bereb Yisrael Yaakov. So we will use both opportunities today and Monday to commemorate uh, all the art sites that we just mentioned. If you'd like to sponsor an Elul Shofar blowing or anything else, you can go to fjbunity.org, fjbunity.org. And you can um, sponsor uh, under the um, tab of sponsorship opportunities. So again, Gene Berkovich, in memory of Chasya Bas Mordechai in the 77th yard side of Yosef Ben Yitzchak, it's the 17th yard side of Chasya Bas Mordechai in the 77th yard side of Yosef Ben Yitzchak, and Hillel Gersh, in memory of Rav Lewis Lerner, Rav Al Yakim Bereb Yisrael Yaakov, our Elul Shofar blowing at JM in the AM. Shoot 
J.M. in the A.M. Yoel Sharabi, Shalom Aleichem. Benny Friedman before that in Avremel opened up that set with Itcha Ani on a J.M. the M. Friday. Candlelighting at 7.20, 7.20 candlelighting time in the New York area. A lot of synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. At the New Springville Jewish Center, they're going to start Mincha at 7.15. In advance of uh, Yitzi Siegel's Ufruf, we say Mazal Tov, of course, to him and his kala and his wonderful parents. Looking forward to a great Shabbos and a beautiful wedding celebration this upcoming week. I want to thank our friends at OnlySimchas.com. Check them out every day. They're utilizing a lot of our content. Oh, I wonder if they posted the story of uh, Calvin Murray, the Rose Bowl, uh, the Rose Bowl um, superstar who became a Philadelphia Eagle and now is an Orthodox Jew. We did that story this week with Calvin, excuse me, Yosef, with Yosef on the phone. Yosef Murray, no joke. Anyway, check out OnlySimplest.com every single day. They have amazing content, cover a lot of great stories from around the Jewish world. Uh, Our friends at JewishWorldReview.com have the unique distinction of having thousands of articles for you to print out before Shabbos and read and enjoy, at least in most cases enjoy. Some, of course, could be depressing when they're about the news of the day. Uh, check out jewishworldreview.com. Can't emphasize it enough. jewishworldreview.com, an amazing resource. Malcolm Honline is executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. He joins us Friday mornings for the weekly update here at JM and the AM. And this uh, Friday, today, this morning, we have the opportunity, Baruch Hashem, to announce and congratulate and wish a mazel tov to Malcolm as uh, we have found out that Avi Stein, this is a grandson to Frady and Malcolm Honline, Avi Stein is engaged to Racheli Koss, both from Brooklyn, New York. Malcolm Honline, mazel tov to you and the entire family. Um, May we be able to announce many simachot. This is wonderful to Avi, uh, the daughter of Joshua and Sarah Stein, and Racheli Koss, the daughter of Mr. and Mrs. Alan Koss, Got together, and we have a hopefully we'll build a base neman. Amazing, absolutely amazing. Uh, we should continue to share smachot together. Uh, well, right. obviously, a lot of things going on in this world. Is there a list of candidates that anybody's compiled that you're aware of uh, that are either um, running in uh, upcoming elections, September, November, here in the U.S., both local and you know broader ones? Uh, who have, I don't know, what we would call questionable views or interesting statements regarding Israel, the PA, etc. Because there are a lot, as you know, that have been uh, getting a tremendous amount of publicity. And I'm wondering if anyone is keeping track of all the very small local elections and the larger ones in certain states that are featuring candidates like this. I think this is one of the underplayed and uh, not understood stories. I've, I've tried to allude to it during our shows in the past couple of weeks, it became clear that the the partisanship, the divisions, the extremism uh, that we see permeating the political process, we saw it in Europe where the center is being lost and we saw the move to the left extreme and right extreme. We saw it in our elections, in more recent elections here, but now we are seeing the emergence of a group of candidates, it's not individuals anymore, both Republican and Democrat, who hold very extreme views, including openly anti-Semitic views, 
certainly anti-Israel views. And I think there are several lessons uh, to be derived from it. Uh, I have talked long about the need for us, and we are trying to implement it at the conference uh, to reach out to the Democratic left, because I don't believe we can write off any segment of the population. But when you see the numbers that the support for Israel is less than a third amongst the Democratic left, uh, Republican right, it goes up to 70-some percent. Overall, the good news is the American people in the latest poll this week Still, 64% support Israel, 19% of Palestinians. But when you look at the demographic ages, the younger, the numbers start to inverse. And uh, and so the emergence of candidates often running now without uh, opposition, like the candidate in Queens uh, who beat Crowley, there's no one run against him. Now Duncan Hunter drops out of the race in California, and his opponent will run, I think, unchallenged, because I don't know that they can switch the candidate or have somebody substitute. And this is the grandson of the mastermind of the Munich Massacre. We have candidates in um, in uh, Michigan and Minnesota, Missouri, elsewhere, emerging who are uh, who talk that they are against aid. We have a Palestinian uh, candidate and others. It's not because uh, she's Palestinian, but because of her views. And I think people... All of us have to be alert. We now have ways to monitor it, to, to look at least at the emergence of extremist views uh, uh, on the part of candidates. But but we're seeing it all, all around the country. And while they don't win because they're anti-Semites, in some cases it's not enough of a reason for them to lose. Right. And they win, in most cases, with a minority of of the vote. So it means that we have to make sure people turn out to vote. It means that we have to identify them, not when they get into a primary or into a general election, but when they start running, is to highlight who they are, what their views are. Don't dismiss it. We've seen too many cases where powerful candidates, people who are in top leadership positions in the Congress, lose only because they take for granted and because their supporters take for granted that they will win. Boiling it down to statistics and numbers is not always the best idea, but but I'm sure there are plenty of people listening, including myself right now, frankly, who are wondering, is this in the tens? Is this in the hundreds? How many people no, in no, potential no. leadership it's, positions are taking these types of positions? No, it's not. It's not in. First of all, they're not all federal races, though some are congressional races. Some of them are for uh, state assemblies and right. other uh, positions. But I would say if Probably in congressional races, there are are more than 10 that are of real uh, concern to us. Including Rashida Tlaib is her name? The Democratic nominee in the district uh, in Detroit who believes in a one-state solution, etc., etc., and uh, wants to rescind all uh, aid, all uh, military assistance to Israel. Uh, People understand that a one-state solution doesn't mean a state of Israel. Correct. And that's one good example. I mean, this is, yes. this is that's one good example of exactly. what we're talking about this morning. Um, people have got to be on the uh, on the lookout. People have got to be in the know. And as you said, they have to reach out at a much earlier stage than where these candidates have already ended up. And if I can make one other suggestion sure. that came up in discussions, and that is that those who who want before Rosh Hashanah, as schools come back into session, have them the students write a letter of appreciation to the president for the move on Jerusalem and to express support for those people in Congress who take stands for us, that they, that they hear from us. 
because they only if they only hear from the opposition, if they hear from those who are anti and not from those who are pro, and we always believe in showing our Karsatov, and even if you disagree with him or her, any candidate on a lot of other things, where they stand up for what's really vital and essential, I think it's important that that people acknowledge it and and never give in to the negative forces. The you know Soda Stream just was sold for $3.2 billion to Pepsi. SodaStream became the symbol of the BDS movement, right? right. Remember the, sure. uh, what was it, Scarlett Johansson, who was a spokeswoman, mm. all the pressures and how they forced the closing of the factory in Mala Dumim, which meant that uh, hundreds and hundreds of Palestinians lost their jobs. And I remember the mayor of the big city in the West Bank called me and screaming about this and saying, you got to stop this. And I said, no, you have to stop it. It was the PA that started the BDS. Right. Now you have, and he said to me that they, they will make one-tenth what they made at SodaStream, where they got paid equal to Israelis and um, and that, and they of course moved, and now the company is being sold at a premium price, and it's a, it's a message about BDS. And when he did not succumb to it, he didn't fall victim to the BDS campaign. That shows that they, they will ultimately be rewarded. But it's it's essential that we stand up and speak up, not be intimidated by the by the the many loud voices, often backed with very limited. Um, numbers. Uh, it's not, I think, it's, and we see the situation with Corbyn in, in Great Britain, where every week revelations are coming out now showing a long history of vile actions by the leader of the Labour Party. The Jewish community is finding its voice there. They had all the newspaper, Jewish newspapers uh, editorialized, a single editorial against him. There were some demonstrations. But for too long, it was tolerated. People right. knew what Corbyn uh, believed in. And if you don't stand up and make it clear to everybody what what we're going to do, what we what we stand for, and and work together in building coalitions and and finding um, others and telling the, the positive stories, it was just released this week of a study. It shows that the most matriculated population in Israel, Nahum, is hmm, the Druze population. The Druze population, and and amongst Israeli Arabs, up sixty six percent. But you only will read. About the demonstrations, right. which some people made against Israel, On the not state. about right. all of the positive stuff. So interesting. You mentioned SodaStream a moment ago. I can't pass up the drama. Um, Irvin Birnbaum was on the uh, ship, the Exodus, in 1947 that was turned around by British soldiers upon arrival to mandatory Palestine in 1947. Um, 22 years after being forced back to Germany, he finally made it back to Israel with his wife and three sons. Um, all that SodaStream CEO Daniel Birnbaum told his parents, Rabbi Irvin and Hadassah Birnbaum, on Sunday night was to come to a function of his company at the Tel Aviv Hilton the following afternoon. They did not know until the rest of the world did that the purpose of the event was to, to announce the sale of his carbonated drink machine maker to PepsiCo for $3.2 billion. You know, I said on, uh, on Monday morning, uh, aside from the Pepsi boycott, which, you know, business-wise, they thought they were making a good decision uh, when the Arab states said, you know, if you sell to Israel, we're not buying from you. So they thought they were making a good, good business decision. But when I was growing up, Malcolm, our elementary school was filled with stickers. The walls had stickers on them that said, don't buy Pepsi. Pepsi sells to Russia. Russia sells Jews. I think that's the exact quote. You know, as a kid, you remember this stuff, and it gets yeah. you know, it gets uh, committed to memory. Uh, and now look what's going on. And I know that... 
you know, we do love to emphasize the positive news and, and you always help us understand this in the context of history. It's incredible that this symbol, not just of BDS in recent times, but a symbol of complete, uh, a complete um, commercial anti-Zionism, let's put it that way, right? Even if it was for business reasons, whatever it was, commercial anti-Zionism is now making a deal with SodaStream built in Israel to this multi-billion dollar corporation to bring it under their umbrella. The whole thing is just amazing. It is amazing. I do remember that well, that because they said that it's a come to the uh, Arab boycott, and uh, that other times it was because of uh, uh, their dealings with Russia at a time when we were trying to put the pressure on for the release of of uh, Russian Jews. But they, you know, they when you do the right thing, ultimately, in most cases, it gets rewarded. I, I saw this week, and I try every week to update the companies that. Uh, as a result of the sanctions against Iran, have taken action. And this week, uh, yesterday, uh, British Airways, KLM, Air France, right. all discontinued their activity in Iran. Now, some of these are government-owned. And when you know that the EU, and I've reported regularly, has you know, tried all sorts of blocking uh, uh, legislation, against the sanctions, promising to back the companies. It's all come to naught. This week, also, Deutsche Telekom, which is the largest telecommunications provider in Europe, and, uh, and Deutsche Bahn, which is a railroad, both state-owned German companies, and, uh, and they joined Daimler-Benz and others, all of whom withdrew uh, and are withdrawing from uh, uh, you, uh, doing business despite the blocking statute, as they call it, from uh, to protect the firms. So when you stand up and you do the right thing, as the administration did in regard to Iran now, and everybody predicted that you know we would just be cut out of the contracts. And when China announced that they're not going to let their ships carry the um, oil, they're going to use Iranian uh, carriers because they're afraid of uh, of the boycott. The companies don't want to don't want to carry it. And it applies everywhere that, that we should never be intimidated, and we have to assess what is the right thing to do. It doesn't right. mean you always do what you, you know, God wants you to do. You do it when it's smart to do it. And not to downplay what you just described regarding the airlines. I get that, and, you know, good wins over evil in the long run, we know. But it is possible in this case that some of the airlines just went to their governments or went to other officials and said, look, this is, this is killing our pocketbook. This is killing our wallet if we go ahead and continue this type of uh, activity. And Iran may as well eliminate the route and, you know, and reap the benefits of it, right? I guess it was a practical decision involved as well. It's pragmatic in the sense that they don't want to be subject to sanctions. Right. It's, it's, you know, right now, I guess it didn't cost them because they make money on the routes to, to uh, Iran. But, you know, it's it's when it comes down to the bottom line, if you have a choice of doing business between the United States and Iran, right. even if your governments don't like it, they're going to go the pragmatic way. And on the PepsiCo story, yes, you're right. You know, in the end, you know, <laughs> right wins out. But imagine, imagine the elder Birnbaum, who thank God in his life got to see this turnaround. I mean, the, the, the man is rejected along with so many others from coming into what was then Palestine. And, you know, Im imagine the context of history during the era that he saw it. And then just a few decades later, he sees this incredible, you know, personal story, of course, because his son's involved, but, you know, national story uh, of where Israel stands in the world. It just the whole thing is so remarkable. And moving, by the way, at the pace that our prophets said they would move this late 
in our tradition, if you know what I mean. Moving mm-hmm. very, very quickly at this point. It just it, It's really remarkable. I mean, it just, you know, these decades, you know, in the old days, it would have taken at least centuries for this type of thing to happen. <laughs> now it's happening in a matter of years. In seconds. Yeah, exactly, which has to be recognized. Uh, any evidence that this uh, attack in near Paris was, in fact, the work of ISIS? They did claim responsibility for it. They did, and it's being investigated, but, you know, it would not be surprising. ISIS leaders gave orders uh, over recent days to increase the attacks against um, targets abroad and and even uh, designating don't forget and and by the way uh, also um, Hamas leaders uh, join it the about the carrying out attacks even uh, ramp, uh, car attacks and of course uh, bombings and all sorts of things and so this would it would not be surprising that they find a direct link although often terrorist groups you know will take credit yeah. for something even if they we're not directly involved. Yeah, they like to hop on the bandwagon. It is America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio around the world on the web at NahumSiegel.com on the NahumSiegel Network and, of course, in the beloved NSN app. Malcolm Holmline is with us Friday, 740 Eastern Time. He's on the phone as we speak. He is the executive vice chairman of the Conference of Presidents of Major American Jewish Organizations. By the way, uh, other influential Holocaust survivors this week in the news. Apparently, I don't know if you saw this, apparently Michael Cohen's father, right. Maurice, a Holocaust survivor, encouraged him to come clean and tell the truth. Yeah, I, so. I like the Soda Stream story better. <laughs> I can say that again. <laughs> that, that's the one we really should highlight. Uh, the story of the week, as far as I'm concerned, that people uh, have been encouraging me to bring up with you, and I'll do that now, is um, President Trump's uh, statement that it looks like uh, Secretary Bolton had to had to uh, walk back a bit. Uh, what what President Trump is suggesting, you'll tell me if I'm wrong. What President Trump is suggesting is that because Israel had such a quote unquote victory in terms of the embassy move, such a gesture by the U.S. that now they will quote unquote they meaning Israel will pay the price in Israel PA negotiations uh, as they move forward. Uh, they'll have to be much more generous because look at what they got already in the quote-unquote deal. Does that describe what the president said? Uh, I, I don't think so. And from my understanding, first of all, the wording is very important because the president didn't say that he would, they, Israel would have to pay a higher price. He just said a high price. Okay. Well, the word wording always has been that both sides will have to pay a high price and make painful concessions, etc., and if the president's trying to either induce the Palestinians to the table or to, you know, appear balanced or because of pressure maybe from some of the other partners that they're bringing into the process, they've been approaching it in a thoughtful, deliberative way. Uh, the reports that they're going to uh, announce it at the U.N. General Assembly session in September are, are not true. And I think Bolton made it clear that there's no quid pro quo. He's the national security advisor of the president, and he was in Jerusalem for three days. Uh, that there was no quid pro quo for for the Jerusalem move, that there was no nothing tied to it. He did it because it was the right thing, and we've heard from administration people uh, this uh, during the week that the um, uh, so the, the I think too much was may have been made of it, but it was not uh, something new that that 
there's going to be a price if if both sides are going to come to the table. Both was, sides but, are going to have to give. Was too much made of the fact that it seems that uh, from the Palestinian side, Jerusalem is now off the table because it's uh, it's quite obvious with U.S. recognition, there's no issue anymore about Jerusalem. Well, PA says no, it's not off the table because a they want recognition of East Jerusalem as their capital, and they, they in fact said it very explicitly uh, this week. But but Abbas is just not willing to come to the table. He doesn't talk to the negotiators. He's not um, he's not willing even to come and help make us the, the, some resolution in the Egyptian effort in the, in in Gaza. Uh, where there are efforts to involving Egypt, Qatar, others to, to provide funding to try to stabilize the situation, which Israel uh, also supports and, and wants to see happen. Uh, but you have no partner, and the guy who's 82 years old, he's, he's um, in the 13th year of his four-year term, he so far has made and no effort. In fact, we're seeing talk of succession, and uh, each of these possible succeeders is lining up some militia group behind them. So you could have a very uh, volatile, if not violent, reaction. Yeah, this to- could be a, this could be a real bloodbath. I don't mean political bloodbath. It could be a real physical bloodbath. Absolutely, exactly the point uh, that that we're talking about. And now he and he's being challenged on on. Um, on many fronts, and he, of course, said that Jerusalem isn't off the table, um, and he wants. And you notice that they keep stressing the Palestinians don't talk about building institutions of state. They don't longer emphasize it. In fact, I think they undermine them. They focus personally on Abbas, uh, who is leading and ruling completely by himself, and the PLO and PNC. They talk about those, but not about the the, the building of the infrastructure. And that is leading to more and more alienation amongst the youth and uh, others. And successors are looking at this and saying, you know, this situation is is increasingly intolerable. Economy to, to, to yeah, but I I can't imagine that that would prevent anybody from trying to vie for his position. No, I, I'm not saying that they won't. There right. are, there are plenty of people who have put forward their names, but there's no obvious successor. Right. Uh, at, at this point, to the to to um, uh, to Abbas. Plus, you have now. I mean, as long as they're they're talking separately and they're not coming together with Gaza, they don't take over the rule. And he is trying to undermine every effort there because he wants to destroy Hamas. He doesn't want to have anything uh, appear to to uh, reward them to reward Hamas uh, because he he is afraid and he's afraid of of going to elections over this. So he will strike out at the U.S. at the negotiators. He uh, you know, he made a speech where he, last week where he spoke about keeping the ground aflame. I mean, that's not the language of somebody who, who's looking for reconciliation and, and to move uh, uh, forward on any kind of process. Yeah, understood. Um, the, the, president, the president, the prime minister of Israel was in Lithuania this week. Uh, I think he's still there now, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, why are these meetings with 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 what some people would refer to as smaller countries and Russia, etc.? Why are they so important to Israel? Well, East Europe is very important uh, in general because they tend to vote more uh, sympathetically with Israel than uh, old Europe. Uh, they are part of the EU in in, in many cases, and uh, and um, they vote United Nations often with Israel, so they express appreciation. Uh, these are countries that are facing challenges from Russia, from elsewhere, pressures on them. Uh, and there are questionable things because we've seen them honor people that uh, uh, play were collaborators or, or worse. 
uh, during World War II. But the prime minister uh, went there and uh, uh, showed appreciation to them, and I, I think he'll be visiting other countries. It, it shows that Israel is not isolated. It shows uh, to those who, who not only predicted, but who still predict that Israel will be alone. And as his trips to, the, to Latin America, to South America last year, uh, during this past year, all of these things help uh, uh, erode the anti-Israel coalition. When um, uh, Bolton was in Israel, he had to address this issue. Um, um, I'm, I'm sort of wondering whether the prime minister is doubling down on the Trump generosity because now that everything's happened with the embassy, recognition of Jerusalem, etc., um, maybe now uh, the prime minister feels that he can go for the full jackpot by getting American recognition of the Golan and uh, and, and having the U.S. recognize it as, as really part of Israel. Bolton reacted that there's been no change in U.S. policy in this area. You, you think the prime minister is acting on it for that reason, because of the streak that he's on with Washington at this point? I think that it's because of domestic pressures, and I don't think it's going to happen. I think it would, it, it, many people feel it would be a mistake to press it right now. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, the people are smelling an election and the possibility, not only because of the draft law, but uh, an election will take place no matter what at the end of 19 when this term ends, but more likely earlier, maybe September, uh, maybe uh, January, February, March of, of uh, 2019. Uh, so uh, people are grandstanding, and, and the issue with the Golan is that people are looking at the reality there. We see the encroachment of Iranian militias. Yeah. We see the others. You know, this week, the Houthis from Yemen are in meeting with Nasrallah in Lebanon. You see the connections that uh, that, that continue to exist and the, the dominance of Hezbollah in Lebanon. It's the only country where the uh, uh, an extremist revolutionary group is really more powerful than the army of the country itself. And the... Uh, so they look at, at what's happening in, in, in near the Golan with the uh, Syrian troops have taken much of the area. They talk, talk about turning it over to UN, but we know that you have uh, tens of thousands of Iranian militias. So as to take this issue off the table, they're saying it's time to, to uh, an exit officially and make a part of Israel. I think most people will say that it's not a smart move at this time. There's no need. Israel has controlled the, the supposedly the Russians. Others agreed to some sort of a buffer zone. It's questionable about whether they can really hold it. It's really up to Israel to, to defend the border and, and probably uh, Jordan's border as well from the encroachment of, uh, of uh, different terrorist uh, groups. Now Bolton said that the United States would stay till the end of ISIS, destruction of ISIS, and as long as the Iranians are there. That's very important because I think the withdrawal of U.S. troops would be uh, devastating at this time, uh, and hopefully they will end um, ISIS as a caliphate in, in, uh, in overall, but also in Syria, and, uh, and get rid of uh, Iran. The Russians supposedly said to him that they would support that, but the implementation uh, is very difficult. Uh, so hopefully, and and the question is what Assad and others uh, will do. He, I don't believe in long term they want uh, they will want to have their own countries in Iran. But right now it serves their purpose, and you know Iran was critical in getting them to the point that they're at now. 
So it's so people were looking at the Golan in in that context, but it, I don't think it's going to happen. Unbelievable. What besides besides obviously it's the biggest issue besides national security, draft law you just mentioned, uh, Golan possibly as you just said that could be brought up by Netanyahu for political you know for political reasons. Are, are there other issues that you feel at this point would be as big as those in the upcoming election in Israel? Yeah. Well, I think Netanyahu will run on the economy and be able to show, you know, what he's done. And it goes back to the, to the economy, stupid. Basically, people are concerned about their lives. But for Israel, the big issue always is security. Right. Now, the relationship with the United States being as strong as it is, is a real asset. And people in, in Israel feel it uh, pretty universally. Um, so the uh, the domestic issues always arise in in that context as we've seen with some of the legislative initiatives initiatives and other things um in recent uh in recent months you know the threat of iran netanyahu will certainly uh show how he's been able to stabilize it and how they are fighting terrorism people are unhappy about the situation in gaza and potential resolutions if they don't see something that will really put a longer term end to the to the problem, and uh, everybody appreciates what Egypt is doing and trying to to broker a deal and getting a ceasefire. But people don't trust the ceasefire long term. There have been too many of them, and they get violated. The amount of damage that was done is is really quite extensive. By the way, the the, the seaport near Cyprus, the airport near Eilat, those are ceasefire recommendations, or those are long term PA Israel peace treaty recommendations. Uh, I wouldn't say peace treaty. I would say longer term. Um, the, the promise is that if over time, it, in other words, it would be a phased deal, then you would get the sea lane maybe to a port in um, in Cyprus. Uh, there's talk of an airport. There's talk of other things. Uh, it all, all depends. These are, are huge security uh, uh, situations. Um, I, I think that the uh, if there is real uh, progress in terms of coming moving ahead on a peace process, a peace plan. They are clearly working on it. The administration has been working diligently in putting it together very thoughtfully. It, it seems building support in the region for it. Uh, but the uh, the key is they don't have a, a partner, number one. And, and as long as Abbas boycotts it, you can't have a process. Second, I think they have to look at the right timing. Uh, for presenting it, and you have to pre- prepare the groundwork, including in the Arab world itself, to talk to the people in the Arab world, to get them, uh, you know, to soften the ground, to get them uh, ready for any kind of a deal in order for governments to be able to participate in the talks, to, to support them publicly or privately. Uh, you, you have to do a, a lot of preparatory work, and I think that is uh, uh, being done and being considered thoughtfully. So the um, anything that you hear, you got to first put in context. Second of all, about what what can really be implemented. You see that Israel with all its power still couldn't stop the the kites and the amount of damage they did, destroying you know forests that were planted since the 50s to protect the communities in the western Negev. You know because they they serve one to absorb incoming rockets to block the view of the uh, of terrorists of, sh- of sharpshooters to be able to hit these communities and um, you know they are really a secure essential security uh, asset and now many of them have been burnt and it'll take a long time till they can be rebuilt. Unbelievable. What did you uh, or let me ask you more accurately? Give me a second. Uh, is it a fact 
that Jockey Palige has in fact been deported to Germany at the age of 95. Yes, and I think the administration properly deserves recognition, because, but this was initiated in the previous administration, but uh, the deportation was not uh, implemented, and this administration said there's no reason that this guy should, should be here. Uh, I don't think he'll be prosecuted in Germany, but I think that the deportation is important, and you have to say that there's no time limit, there's no statute of limitations on genocide. A reminder to people uh, 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 when, at a time when we see the Holocaust deniers and we see the, the attempts to diminish uh, uh, the Shoah, and when we see people who, who want to carry out attacks in this country, that there has to be eternal vigilance. We have to stand up, and, and no matter what age, what time, what excuse, that he should have been deported a long time ago. He clearly lied, and uh, hopefully that uh, he will not live the rest of his life in peace and comfort. By the way, just to, to know, look at the two men who were charged with being agents of Iran, yeah. including one who was monitoring a Chabad center in Illinois, and uh, monitoring the MEK. Me, mean, mean, meaning people arrested in the U.S. In the, in the U.S. Right. It sounded like they were arrested in Iran, exactly. right? People arrested in the U.S. And uh, uh, these guys, it, it, we can go into the whole story, but it's, uh, it's long, but it, it's not alone to think that uh, the operations and all these guys, they're operating in the United States. We know there are many, and the, Iran has infrastructure here, others have, that we have to be absolute in, in the determination on the local level, state level, federal level, all agencies, law enforcement, the legal, everyone. Oh, and good. And, and by the way, good advice as we get closer to the high holidays, which are just two weeks away, because you know that synagogues and Jewish institutions become much more high profile during that time. That's right. And it's, this is the time to plan, not the day before Arianta, but to meet with police and to uh, talk to them. And New York Police is, does outreach uh, during this time and really are excellent in that regard. But hopefully everywhere, uh, people will do it. By the way, one other issue that we're likely to see in the coming weeks is and the announcement on UNRWA and whether the United States, as they did with the Human Rights Council, will defund them. As you know, the UNRWA, I think, has 30,000 employees, and the latest studies show that there are really 30,000 Palestinian first-generation refugees. I mean, there's no other refugee population who is defined the way Palestinians, which means that your great-grandchildren are, are considered uh, refugees. Uh, refugees. So they claim UNRWA supports 5 million registered Palestinian refugees today. It's their descendants and the descendants' descendants, etc. And so there are plans how to turn this over to the PA, to others, and to other institutions, and uh, stop the, the UNRWA's uh, organizational model, and it created a dependency culture, a welfare culture that uh, has long been criticized. As you know, there are special institutions at the UN, agencies that really are just uh, millions and millions of dollars devoted to propaganda against Israel for the Palestinians, uh, and the administration has taken a strong stand at the Human Rights Council. Now this move against UNRWA, which I think will enjoy support across uh, the political aisles, um, is a, is another important statement. Amazing. Um, the the most incredible suggestion, which I think is so simple, but such an amazing suggestion. You started with it during this conversation this morning, and I hope we can get every school to participate. The school year should begin with a letter-writing campaign from students, teachers, everybody in the school environments, and obviously everybody in the community, 
to President Trump for what he has done in recognizing Jerusalem and moving the embassy during the year 5778. It's an amazing way for the year to end and a perfect way for the brand new year to start. And I'm going to I'm going to do my best to remind everybody about that over the next couple of weeks every single day. I wish them a Shana Tova, but they can also write to their senators, to others who do the right thing and have right. been supportive, that people have to hear from us. And this is a great time, and it'll be a great lesson in civics for the kids. And it's not doesn't have to be partisan. It should be uh, uh, teaching them the lesson of Akar Satov and getting them uh, to understand the importance of voting and being part of the political process. Uh, the, if the lesson of this year of the candidates who are running, of what happens when you have inaction, when uh, the challenges that, that we talked about and hardly even scratched the surface of, uh, of so many of the things that are on the agenda for us for this, uh, for this year, when you see, you know, the, we didn't even talk about the developments in Turkey or, the, or elsewhere and what their implications and, and of course, Iran's continuing uh, aggressive uh, uh, behavior that that we have to educate the next generation and frankly this generation and i know we talk we talk about the kids but we mean for the parents as well no question about it have a wonderful shabbos mazal tov again to the stein and kass and honline families and we will reconvene bezrat hashem next week god willing there he is malcolm honline executive vice chairman of the conference of presidents of major american jewish organizations friday morning candle lighting in the New York area, 720, 720 in the New York area. Many synagogues begin earlier. Make sure you know when things start where you are. It's Erev Shabbos Parshas Kitetze. Plenty happening on this Erev Shabbos, as you see, including a full day of amazing broadcasting coming up on the Nahum Siegel Network. This time each and every Friday, every Erev Shabbos, with great pleasure we present Rabbi Benjamin Yudin, spiritual leader of Congregation Shomri Torah in Fairlawn, New Jersey, to address the entire listening audience concerning the Torah portion of the week. Today... Our Torah portion discussion is being sponsored for Erefush Lema for Mayor Ben-Chana, Mayor Ben-Chana. Good morning, Rabbi Yudin. Good morning, Nachum. Good Erev Shabbos, everybody. Tomorrow we have the privilege of reading Pashas Kiseitzei. Pashas Kiseitzei has the distinction of having the most mitzvos of any parsha in the Torah. It contains no less than 70 Four mitzvos, 27 positive mitzvos, and 47 restrictions. Interestingly, among the many mitzvos in this week's parsha is that of the mitzvah of marriage. And unfortunately, if and when a uh, marriage is to end, it doesn't end with, quote, so long it's been good to know you, but rather one has to write and give a get. The laws of Jewish burial. And just to make one quick statement, we all know people. It's important that we speak to people. People should know that above ground burial is against Jewish law, not in keeping with our, quote, tradition. And the mitzvah of burial in the ground is found in this week's parsha. The prohibition of shatnes, wearing wool and linen, commingled in a garment for men, women, and children, is prohibited as found in this week's parsha. The end of the parsha speaks about honest weights and measures, how proud we are that we, quote, had it first, and the parsha ends with the... Um, mitzvah of Amalek to remember Amalek, to blot out Amalek 
I'd like to focus on, interestingly, a mitzvah, which, quote, no longer applies today, but the powerful lessons that we still learn therefrom. Mitzvah 561 to the Chinuch is Lo Yiso Amoni Umoovi Bas Yisrael that a man from either or Amon or Moav may not marry a Jewish woman meaning that even after they have converted to Yahadus they're not permitted to intermarry meaning to marry one of a Jewish woman. Now, the Torah in chapter 23, Pasuk 4 and 5, gives us the reason for this. And what does the Torah tell us? The Torah says, number one, I'll devour because I shall kidmu eschem balechem uvamayim. They did not greet you with bread and water on the road when you were leaving Egypt. Now, before I go further, why does this not apply today? You should know the Chino concludes and says that when Sancheirev, king of Ashur, Assyria, came and exiled the kingdom of Israel, meaning the ten tribes. He also mixed up all the nations and commingled them as he was the king over all the world. And then, having mixed up the population of the world, Ammon and Moab as well became mingled with the other nations of the world. And now, if someone comes from um, a non-Jew, we say, called a parish, Meruba parish, since Ammon and Moab were a minority compared to the rest of the nations, we have a right to assume that this person is not from Ammon and Moab, and he can, once he converts, marry a Jewish woman. But now, let's go back as to why the Torah says you can accept, cannot accept someone from Ammon and Moab. And the Torah gives us two reasons. One, because they did not greet you with bread and water when you were leaving Egypt. Now, who is Ammon and Moab? Ammon and Moab are the sons of Lot, Avram's nephew. And what are we told in the book of Bereshis? That Avram Avinu keeps his word to his nephew, and when his nephew is taken captive, he goes, risks his life, saves his nephew, and literally, when Sodom, at a later point, is um, about to be destroyed, the Torah tells us that God saves Lot in the merit of Avram. So, the children of Lot, Ammon and Moab, owed the Jewish people big time in terms of hakoras hatov, showing appreciation. You just left Egypt, we will give you a little bit of support on the way out. Not only did they not do that to us, no chesed whatsoever, but 
Asher Sochar Olecha, they hired against you Bilam Bimbaor, right? He hired Bilam Lekaleleka to curse you. And it's only because, as the verse continues, Hashem refused to listen to Bilam and he overturned and reversed the curse to a blessing because Hashem loves you. And therefore the Torah says that you are not to literally seek their peace or welfare all the days forever until, as I said, after Sancheirev. Now, the question is, why does the Torah have to give us two different reasons? The reason of the there being ingrates and then the second reason of Bilam. Now understand that the second reason in of itself is more than enough to harbor and to keep them out because as the Navi Micha says in chapter 6, Ami, my people, Zacharna, remember what Bilam wanted to do. And Lamandas Sidkos Hashem. You should remember the righteousness of God on your behalf. And the Gemara in Brachos tells us that God, to use human terms, gets angry for a moment, literally a split second, every day. And then he controls his anger. Bilam had that knowledge and capacity that at the moment that God would get angry, at that precise moment he would curse and God forbid, put an end to the Jewish people. So what does the Talmud say? That during that period of time, God removed any and all anger from the world at that time. And amazing, and that's why There are those that say that the punishment that he did suggest on behalf of the Jewish people and had us enticed by Benos Moab because the greater increase of, quote, love into the world. But it's amazing. What did Bilaam wanted to do? He wanted to annihilate us. So isn't that enough? Why does the Torah say that you didn't greet them? They didn't greet us with the bread and water says the Be'er Yose very sharply that look at the contrast at the Tupsukim after this the Torah says regarding Edom and regarding Mitzrayim only three generations after that you're able to allow them to come into the Jewish people to marry now what is it that regarding Edom, Mitzrayim. Mitzrayim, after all, decreed all Jewish babies should be drowned. But since, as Rashi points out, they gave Yaakov Avinu, when he came down to Egypt, they gave him, quote, a place to live. They fed Yaakov's family, the Jewish nation, in its infancy, at a time of famine, we don't forget, we are not Kafuitov, we don't forget the good that is done to us. 
the first thing, and therefore had Amon Moab given us a little bit of bread and water, that would have changed everything, says the Bear Yosef on their behalf, because it would have shown that they have good within them, and we would have rewarded that good after a certain amount of time. However, not doing that and hiring Bilam, that's why completely ostracized from the Jewish nation. But then he goes one step beyond the Ber Yosef, and he says very powerfully, Rashi says, note the difference between Mitzrayim, that's only three generations, and Amon and Moab. And he says that Mitzrayim only wanted to kill us. But Moab tried to be Machtio. Machtio means to cause us to sin, as indeed they did with the daughters of Moab. The one that kills you is only in this world. The one that causes you to sin is not just this world, but the next world as well. And therefore, the punishment against Amon and Moab is all the greater. Says the Ber Yosef, what a powerful lesson we can learn from here. That if one, unfortunately, is responsible for their actions, meaning that if you help somebody else sin, whether forgive me, you facilitate their having non-kosher or any other active sin. He says the same is true regarding passivity. If you have the opportunity to help somebody and put them on the right path, if you have the opportunity to invite somebody to see your Shabbos table, if you have the opportunity to do a chesed for somebody, and as a result of that, he's going to see, wow, this is the way Orthodox Jews behave, and this is the kind of beautiful lifestyle that they have and live, and you abstain from doing that, that in of itself is unfortunately contributing to their unfortunate, misguided lifestyle, but you bear some of that responsibility. And where is that coming from? He says, ouch, take a look from the end of last week's parsha, when we have the whole idea of the Egwa Rufa. We find a body, and we don't know who is responsible for the murder. So what does the Torah say? You measure to the nearest city, and there's that whole ceremony. And what happens? The elders of that city say, and what is that formula? Our, come on, hands did not spill this blood. Oh, come on, asks all the rabbis. Who would ever think for a moment that the rabbis actually killed that person? But what's the answer? The answer is that we didn't allow the person to go without Lavoya, without being escorted. We didn't allow the person to go without Mizonos, without food. Ah, in other words, it's not simply one's actions, 
but one's inactions as well. We were not guilty of being inactive. We did provide. And this is such a powerful lesson. Rabbi Akiva in the Gemara Nidarim, Mem Amr Aleph says, Kol mi cholim, one who does not go and visit the sick, it's as if, God forbid, he's spilling blood. What does that mean? It means if you have the opportunity to go to somebody and cheer them up and provide for them and show them you care, how can I help you with this? How can I help you with that? I know you're in a difficult situation now. Wow. So such a person, if you don't go, give out. Look what you are doing. And if you do go, look at the wonderful opportunity that you have. The Gemara in Shabbos 54b says, Call me, She'ef Limchos, someone who has the opportunity to protest. In other words, the right way. You don't always have to protest with a criticism. You can do it in a loving way. But we don't believe in MY. OB, mind your own business. We do believe that we're responsible one for another. So whoever has the opportunity to protest regarding Anshe Beso, matters of their family, or Anshe Iro, or their community, and he does not, such a person, Nispas Aleem. Unfortunately, the sins that are taking place are partially yours. You are to get involved. And so, even from the mitzvos which don't apply today, we see, wow, the powerful uh, teachings of Parshas Kiseitse. Let me close with a beautiful Svasemes, who everybody knows that Elul is Anila Dodi, Vidodi Li. I am for my beloved, my beloved is for me. My beloved is for me. Behemoth's O, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, and Sukkot. Anila Dodi, I am for him. This is the month that I have to take the first step. I should keep a chesed diary. And every night, it's nobody else's business. And I'm not doing this to show off, but I'm doing this to remind myself, did I do a chesed today? And let me do one tomorrow and make sure I do one the next day. And then we're going to be not only satisfying the letter, but the beautiful spirit of our Holy Torah. Shabbat Shalom to all.
J.M. in the A.M., Ari Goldwag, Curry Bone. Good song, huh? Beautiful Zimmer. Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. Candlelighting 720 here in New York. Uh, don't forget, we have amazing, and I mean amazing and incredible programming all through the day and all through the weekend. Coming up at 9 a.m., Naomi Nachman with the next edition of Table for two. Uh, today, Naomi speech, uh, speaks with Yussi Mutterpearl from Southside Sandwich Shop and Smokehouse in Lakewood, New Jersey. Alexander Rappaport from Aspia Soup Kitchen and Schiffer Klein of Joy of Kosher Magazine. That's all happening at 9 a.m., Table for Two Encore. At 10 o'clock, the Arab Shabbos Show brought to you by the wonderful people at Kedem. Mark Zomik will host. At 1 o'clock, don't forget Harry Rothenberg with his video blog on Parsha's Kitetze. We'll have that uh, audio form. At 1 p.m., plus the Arab Shabbos music mix, of course, sponsored by our friends at Kedem. Tomorrow night, Saturday night, Siegel Avrami with great Jewish music, plus Rabbi Eliezer Zwickler on the Torah portion of the week. And of course, Matis. You know what happens on Sunday. Matis hosts JM Sunday, an ever growing show 
with an amazing commitment by an amazing host. It's Matas Weingast, 7 a.m. Eastern Time, every single Sunday right here at the Nahum Siegel Network. Make sure to be tuned in. JM and the AM as we continue on this era of Shabbos. By the way, <laughs> listener Daniela, where is she? Hang on a second. Let me get to the app for a moment. Excuse me, it wasn't listener Daniela. It's uh, listener Rebecca. Listener Rebecca posted the following on um, on um, our app. Please announce a happy 70th birthday to Lenny Hallstuck. We love you so much. May you be blessed with another 70. Love your family. Uh, this is, of course, Daniela's twin sister, Rebecca. Um, yes, Nahum, you know, she says, Nahum, you know, the whole family. Yes, Rebecca, I know the whole family. And you're going to tell Lenny the following. You're going to let Lenny know that he is so full of youthfulness and vigor. I don't even believe he's 70 years old. <laughs> That's for sure. Happy birthday, Lenny, from all of us here at JM and the AM. Um, maybe he and I will still have time, uh, to head to a, a minor league baseball game at some point. Who knows? Happy birthday, sir. JM and AM at 10 minutes before 9 o'clock. This is a uh, a selection from the Yeshiva Boys Choir at JM and the AM.
jam in the AM. Curry Bone done by the Yeshiva Boys Choir here at JM in the AM. Ari Goldwag before that. Someone asked on the app what time is Saturday Night Seagull. Uh, Avrami starts 9 p.m. Eastern Time. 9 p.m. Eastern Time, Saturday Night Seagull. Tune in, enjoy. It's good to, uh, it's good to have in the background as you uh, go through your, your Motzei Shabbos rituals. Uh, getting the house back in order, etc. All that stuff. Make sure to be tuned in. Matis starts Sunday at 7 a.m. Eastern Time. Matis, 7 a.m. Eastern Time here at the Nachum Siegel Network. Time to say good Shabbos with Journeys. Mazel Tov to Yitzi Siegel. Ufruf takes place tomorrow in Staten Island, and we are looking forward to it. Mazel Tov. Time to say good Shabbos with Journeys at JM in the AM. The sun is going down. It's shining through the trees. Another week's gone by. Become a memory. So throw Cause all your work is done I'm gonna spend the day together with the Holy One Say a special blessing on a cup that's filled with wine Man and his creator, it's a very special sign your candles will be burning They'll fill your home with light Singing songs of Shabbos Well into the night So throw away your hammer There's nothing left to do Special blessing.
Achenu Yisrael and Achim Achem, our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listener-sponsored digital radio. Around the world on the web at NachumSiegel.com on the NachumSiegel Network and, of course, on the beloved NSN app. Wraps up an amazing week for us here at JMN. And by the way, if you missed my interview with former Ohio State star and Philadelphia Eagles star Calvin Murray, now known as Yosef Murray, check it out in our archives. You won't regret it. Amazing story. Share it with your kids. That happened earlier in the week. Have a fabulous Shabbos. Great weekend. Table for two with Naomi Nachman is next. All day long, Kedem presents our amazing Arab Shabbos show and Arab Shabbos music mix. Rummy tomorrow night. Matis on Sunday. I am here Monday, please God. Have a wonderful Shabbos, great weekend. Mazel Tov Yitzi Siegel. Till uh, Monday, Nachum Siegel reminding you, remember to pass, live the present, and trust the future. <laughs>